Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone. It's Thursday here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio as we attempt to slow things down just a little bit, to divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help you make the news make sense. And uh, all kinds of things going on today. The uh, president is uh, making headlines left, right, and center uh, in relationship to a, a host of issues that are coming down. We're going to break all of that down for you uh, as we go through the first portion of the program. And uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Burgess Owens uh, coming up uh, here in our second segment, 1120, uh, candidate in the fourth congressional race. And we're going to just let a lot of these candidates over the next uh, 12 days make their final argument, make their case uh, to you, the voters. And we encourage everyone to vote uh, and do that now. Do it early. Uh, get it done. It's sitting on your kitchen table or on your desk. And so vote uh, make your voice heard. That's the only way we make change. That's the only way we can hold people accountable in public office. And uh, and that actually leads me to the, the top issue of the day. The Supreme Court, in a 5-4 decision, uh, rejected President Trump's attempt to uh, rescind the DACA program that uh, protects uh, young immigrants, uh, again, known as the DACA or the Dreamers, uh, is how we typically phrase that. Uh, and this is a really interesting thing. I had a chance to, to chat with uh, Dave and Dejanovic on their show today. It was Dave uh, and company today. It was nice to have Dave in the studio today. So we always appreciate that. And Amy Donaldson joined him uh, remotely. Uh, but we were having this conversation of, you know, some on the left are spiking the political football saying it's a win. It's a win. Uh, and it's just not, it's not quite a win. I wish I wish it were a win. Uh, I wish we could provide those kids who were brought into the country uh, when they were young by their parents who entered illegally, uh, we've got to get some certainty, some clarity for them uh, if they're ever going to really be able to, to move forward in a positive way. And what the Supreme Court did today did not do that. Now, it suspends uh, the the overturning by executive order. Uh, and, and this is the problem. Uh, some people get tired of me saying governing by executive order never lasts. It never lasts, and it creates more tension, more division in the country, and it's why we end up having such big battles about who gets appointed to the Supreme Court. 
Why? Because Congress, the legislative branch, is not doing their job. Uh, And I will give credit to President Trump when he first announced his executive order on DACA, which was overturning the Obama administration's executive order on DACA. He said that part of his purpose was to force Congress to fix this once and for all. Uh, That didn't happen. As is often the case, Congress, political parties, both sides of the aisle, would rather have this as a political wedge issue than they would get to a policy solution. And so for the last two years, they've kicked it back and forth. Uh, They've yelled and screamed at each other. They've raised millions of dollars off it. They've run political ads on it uh, to win campaigns and elections. And here we are. And those kids under the DACA program still have no clarity in terms of their status. They have no certainty in terms of their path forward here in the United States of America. That's not American. So let's get back to what we know. Uh, I want to get a quick, uh, just a summary, if you're just joining us, uh, on the uh, Supreme Court decision. Again, a 5-4 decision led by Chief Justice Roberts. Uh, Here's a a little summary of that from uh, our friend Aaron Katursky at ABC. The Trump administration's decision to rescind DACA was arbitrary and capricious, the Supreme Court decided in a 5-4 to opinion authored by Chief Justice Roberts. It wasn't that the Department of Homeland Security lacked the authority to wind down the program. The dispute, the opinion said, is instead primarily about the procedure the agency followed in doing so, and the court said it failed to provide a reasoned explanation for its action. In dissent, Justice Thomas said the majority sought to avoid a politically controversial but legally correct decision. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. Uh, so a great summary there uh, from Aaron Katursky, as he always does. Uh, so again, the, what the court did is basically told the administration, you, you can come back and re-argue this. You can reframe this if you want. You didn't make the, the right case the right way on this particular round. Uh, so back to the drawing board for you. And meanwhile, uh, we still have a lot of uncertainty. And governing by executive order, just to remind you of how this awful process is becoming entrenched in Washington, D.C., Congress abdicates its authority, doesn't do its job. Uh, And I would add, this is an issue that the vast majority of members of Congress across the political spectrum agree on. Everybody agrees we need to be able to control who comes in and who goes out of the country. Uh, so we, we need a border. We need an entry-exit system. We need a better H-1V uh, visa program. There's there's all kinds of things. We need a way to track, simply, who comes in, who goes out. Uh, surely, if Disneyland can tell you where your family is at any moment, at any time, in the park for a three-day period, surely the most powerful nation in the world can come up with some kind of system to determine who comes in and who goes out of the country. And everyone agrees on all of those things. And yet we continue to allow members of both political parties to use this as a way to raise money, to drive the wedge. And I'm going to continue to say, if you want to build a bridge and solve a problem, you cannot do it by driving the wedge of division deeper. You have to remove the wedge. I think what President Trump tried to do in his first executive order was say, okay, Congress, remove the wedge and fix this. And they didn't. And so now we're going to go back and forth. And whether President Trump wins re-election or not, uh, there'll be another president, there'll be another executive order, and no clarity and no certainty. Uh, We have to remember, we have to remember, 
that we agree on the vast majority of these pieces, so let's vote on that and get it done. We also have to remember that rule of law and compassion are compatible principles in the United States of America, and we prove it regularly. Not always. And this is one of those cases where we are presented this fake fight and this false choice coming out of our elected officials in Washington to the detriment of the citizens of the country, to the detriment of a group of people who, through no fault of their own, uh, are here in the United States and don't have status or a path to move forward. So we can get there. We can get this done. Elections is the best way to make sure we have the right people who are willing to bridge that divide, who are willing to lay aside their wedges and actually get to solutions. So what do we want to do? Do we want to have old conversations or do we want to deal with new solutions? That's the test. That's uh, what I want to ask every politician. I don't care who did what, when, where, why, or how. Here's where we are. Here's where we want to go. What are we going to do to get there? That's actually the test of leadership. And it doesn't matter whether that's leading a business, leading a family, leading a community, leading a state, or leading a country. It's the same. Where are you? Where do you want to go? And what action are you going to take to get there? And we have to do that. We can't let Congress continue to abdicate its power and authority over to the executive branch. Because guess what, folks? Regardless of political party, the executive branch will take it and they will use it. They will use that power gladly if Congress abdicates it. And then what happens? Once executive orders happen, then cases get filed. They start working their way through the court and they end up at uh, the Supreme Court. And the cycle continues. And then we end up with things where the Supreme Court has to rewrite laws just to preserve them. Uh, That's not their job. That's the job of Congress and the legislative branch. We've got to get back to that. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, we'll be joined by Burgess Owens, candidate in the 4th Congressional District here in the state of Utah. You don't want to miss this conversation. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.